0: At Alu, they believe that every problem in the world can be solved through an investment in people. Their mission is to help people lead themselves more effectively so they can add the most value to their environment. When you lead yourself with passion, you inspire others. When you inspire others, anything is possible. Alu, the leadership development company. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes.
1: From the scenic city in Chattanooga, Tennessee, USA. Welcome. Welcome. To another episode of the Love in Action podcast, now heard in over 100 countries around the world. Glad you are here. This is the show where we chat with the world's most brilliant thinkers and experts about transforming your workplace and growing your business through the powerhouse principles of love and care. Now, if you've heard this show for a while or, or followed my ink articles or my thought leadership. It's pretty obvious by now that I firmly believe that every business problem you have, whether it's whatever about your strategy, sales, your hiring, if you have turnover issues, you know you wanna scale your business, whatever it is that you're challenged by can be solved by investing in your people, in their growth and development, in, in setting them up for success, because when they succeed, you succeed and i love it when my guests wholeheartedly shared this premise with me but you know it's not just us i know you listeners out there you're on this bandwagon with us and i know that some of you are dreamers you're perhaps that that lone voice in the wilderness you know that caring for other human beings to elevate their performance and your business you know that that's gonna work, but it's it's hard when the culture you're in is, is toxic and it, and it doesn't align with your values. I've been there, I know where you're at. My personal advice is please don't lose hope. Keep doing your thing, keep empowering those in your, your circle of influence, keep pouring into them because somebody someday is going to eventually take notice and put you in a much better place, perhaps a bigger place, for you to make an even greater impact because they see the value in what you do, because they believe in you and your leadership and how empowering others to succeed makes great business sense. Mm -hmm. Speaking of empowerment, I'm thrilled about today's guest because he is all about people empowerment and he's been doing it for a while with amazing results. It's my privilege and honor to introduce you to monty williams senior director of client services at task us task us is a progressive new age outsourcer that sits at the intersection of people and technology to deliver deep expertise in cloud-based digital customer services so Throughout his 15 year career, Monty has built multiple high performing teams that have generated millions of revenue. He's gonna tell you about it. He's also held senior leadership positions at other billion dollar startup unicorns. So in addition to that, Monty is also an executive coach and a national public speaker. In fact, in 2019, he founded Alu, the leadership development company And just this March, a couple of months ago, Monty gave an inspiring TEDx talk entitled Get In The Car, The Keys to Sustainable Leadership. Now, CAR in this sense is an acronym, and he's going to unpack what that acronym is. And if he has a personal mission statement of his life, which he does, it is this, to inspire passion through the leadership of self and others. So awesome to have you here, man. Uh, Monty, welcome to the Love and Action podcast. Oh,
2: thank you so much for having me. That was beautiful.
1: <laughs> that so inspired right now. You know, my only beef with you so far is that you got to that cool mission statement before I did. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> that mission statement, it came from a particular place. I was pursuing my MBA. Um, abroad in Dublin, Ireland, Mm. and it was about 4 a.m. in the morning, and I was on the cliffs of Millar. Mm. And I had um, what I would call the the single most important moment of clarity in my life outside of my children being born. And all of my memories from when I was three years old to the latest at that time kind of flashed before me in a panoramic view, very beautiful mind-esque right and i saw what i call like the thread of my life and it wasn't my actions or the results from it it was what exactly like the the purpose the driver behind it and at that particular point the wind blew i heard what i thought was a voice and it said add value and i thought to myself to what and it was The lives of others, and from that moment on, I have never looked back. And it was Mark Twain that said the two most important days in your life: the day you were born, and the day you find out why. And and on that particular day, I was very clear, and that changed the whole trajectory of my life towards inspiring passion um, to add value to the lives of others.
1: Wow, we could end the episode right here, right now. (laughs) That would be enough for me. (laughs) So. All right. Let, let's start with this. It's a yeah. tradition on the show, and we always ask our guests for a gratitude moment. So what, what makes you smile when you get up in, in the morning these days? My boys. Mm.
2: I have two sons, and um, my oldest, his name is Logan, and my youngest, his name is Magnus, um, eight and three. And their uh, their future, their smile, their... Their, their person, they wake me up in the morning every day with a smile. So much, so many. I'm so grateful um, to be able to be their father. They teach me so much. How old are they? Um, eight and three.
1: Mm, great ages. Mine is turning seven in uh, ne- just next week.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: such an awesome responsibility, and uh, yes, Dad. Um, thank you for that. So I mm-hmm. want to get into what you're about, and and I'm dying to unpack. That, you know, what's really gonna be sort of the the, the TED talk that you did, we're kind of gonna revisit the Ted TED talk uh mm-hmm. and unpack that talk. But first, I you know, everyone has a story, Monty, and and a great lesson that we can carry forward and pass it on to others, right? I yes. want you to reflect back to one of your most trying leadership moments. So take us back and what what was the lesson there?
2: Yeah. When I think about my most trying leadership moments, um, they all, they often always revolve around never the, the project, but they all, they often revolve around what I had to deal with myself in a very particular way. Um, and there was a truth that I was, that, that I was avoiding or, or there was a, a hurdle that I couldn't get across. So the, the time that stands out the most was, um, I was working at a company, one of the billion dollar startups. And I was at the top of everything, or so I thought, right? Um, I, I, I had just built um one team to from 50 people to plus 225. Um I had um I was given another piece of the business and I thought that I was positioned to step into the next VP role, mm. right? So I so I get pulled into this room um and I'm thinking, this is it. I'm going to be told that VP is coming. And um, she sat me down and she said, Ma, you're great, and, but I have to give you some feedback that um, I don't know if anybody else is going to tell you. And I said, okay. And she said, your humility limits you.
0: Mm.
2: And it, it, it took me a minute and I looked and I said, huh? And she said, You're talented and you have so many natural abilities, but you don't own it. You don't own any of it. You defer it. And you don't own the responsibility that comes with your person. And so I know that you've been looking forward to um, the next step, but it can't happen. And it was the most deflating. Empowering conversation I think I've ever had in my career because she was able to dig deep and pull out something that I had been battling with all my life up to that point, which is never always making sure that I'm humble, always making sure that I never come across arrogant. Um, And what that does is that makes it so that now I Um, probably downplay some of myself because I never want to overpower anything. Uh And I recognized that at that moment that everything that I did up into my career at that that point, it was enough to get me there. But if I wanted to um, make this leap into the next stage of my career, I had to deal not with a particular project, not with dealing with um, particular amounts of revenue. I had to deal with Monty (laughs) <laughs> and, I had to, and I had to figure out what was it that made it so that I was so afraid to own the responsibility that comes with my person. What was it? So that that did it. When, whenever I think about the, the most trying leadership time and what and, and, and how I got to this point where I am today, um, much of it starts with that conversation.
1: I can't help but tie that into what Jim Collins did in his research and you know write, writing the 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 best selling book Good to Great where he talks about the that you have to have that balance of humility but you have to couple that with resolve, determination, you know the part of leadership that holds people accountable and uh, maybe even holds people to the fire so to speak for their yes. performance, you know tough love. And um well, I love that example because we're not saying that you're. We're not negating the humility part. We still need that as a leadership strength, right? But, but humility without the other components is basically somebody that's somebody that's just going to be taken advantage of.
2: One hundred percent. And to this day, I love her for having the courage to give me that feedback because as a leader who believes in um, empowering their employees and getting them to the next stage in their career by uncovering those uncomfortable truths, I feel fortunate that somebody was um, courageous enough to do the same for me.
1: That's great. So you and I agree that leadership, while it's not easy, it can be simplified. And so you, you've you done it, you've simplified it to that, that set of core practices that we're going to talk about in, in a minute. But before we go into that, you said that, there are three premises that hold true for all of us, which is really your argument for making leadership simple. I'm dying to know, what what are those three premises?
2: Yes. So, there are three things. So, we are all human, we are all leaders, and we are all connected by the human experience. And if you look at these three premises, it, it it strips everything down and it makes it so that your title, your job, um, what you do in your life, how much money you have, how much money you don't have, none of that matters, right? Yeah. Because we're all humans, we're all leaders, and we're all connected by this experience that we have. And that was the level playing field that made me say, okay, if these three things hold true, then there should be a way to. Simplify it so that if people do this, this, and this, it would lead to um, success, however you define success in um, their lives and help them reach their goals, whatever goals they may be.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's important to emphasize the part, the, the second one that you mentioned, we are leaders, in that, you know, before we lead others, we have to lead ourselves. Even those the people that may be listening going, No, I'm not a leader. Yes. No, yes, you are a leader because you are, you, you know, well, besides the fact that if you have kids, you have to lead them mm-hmm. and, and whatever roles in your community, if you're in church, et cetera. But we have to lead ourselves effectively before we lead others. Do you agree with that? I certainly do.
2: I, I, I'll take it a step further to say that yeah. that is the piece that I think that we miss in leadership, right? We all have a minimum requirement to lead ourselves and i think many times when we think about leadership we think about one person leading many people leading a nation or things like that but we often miss that the very first person that we have a responsibility to lead is ourselves it's something core to what i believe
1: yes yeah all right so here we go i want you to tell us how we can simplify The practice of leadership to produce tangible sustainable results and and this is where we get to your tedx talk and that nifty title right get in the car Mm -hmm. the acronym the keys to sustainable leadership and i'll have monty give you the keys after this short message don't go away
0: successful companies have great leaders that inspire employees to reach their fullest potential These leaders set the standard for excellence and redefine what success looks like while motivating employees to be the best versions of who they currently are. This is accomplished through coaching and mentoring about a value system focused on uncomfortable truths, acceptance of accountability, and staying committed to the responsibility of oneself. Driving these intangible values through the culture of any organization will lead to profitable, tangible results. If you are looking to impact change and positively affect your bottom line through investing in people, then you should partner with Alu, the leadership development company.
1: Okay, so you found the keys to sustainable leadership. So what's the acronym CAR, C-A-R, the suspense is killing me.
2: (laughs) So the acronym stands for courage, agility, and resilience. And it's important to note that, and while I was developing this idea um, there were There was tons and tons of research done across all areas, right? So I looked in all different businesses, sports, um thousands and thousands of interviews with people looking back on my notes, just understanding that there are three core things that make it so that people can be successful and they can get in the car and again, it 's courage, agility, and resilience and when I think about uh courage, right. Yeah. I define courage as the, the ability to make the necessary changes within ourselves to inspire the most favorable outcome in our environment. Right. Um thinking about courage, it brings me to one of the best examples, which would be uh Mohandas Gandhi. Yeah. Right. Um, if you think about it, he was able to inspire a nation through his actions, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't say Do this or go there. It was more so. I am going to be this person, and that is what's going to inspire it. So one of his strategies, as many people know, um, for ending the war in India um, was he. He decided that he would fast. Um, Some of his fasts were up to twenty-one days long. Right, and he said, "I'm not going to wage war. I am going to." Do it my way and I'm going to inspire the people. And the people did not want him to perish. So they said, okay, we have to think about this a particular way. Um so 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 that's the that's the courage piece. It's when you're able to do something personally um, and deal with yourself to inspire the most favorable change in our environment. The agility piece. Yeah. Right? When 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 I talk about agility, I mean how the ability to respond. To real life stimuli, right, and things that are coming at you, while still maintaining focus on the greater goal, right. So when I think about agility, one of the bigger examples, and we'll get into some more personal examples a little later, but I want to give the listeners context, right, greater context. Yeah. Um, so I think about Sully, Chelsea Sullenberger III. So he was um, the, the the pilot. Um, on what we know, what's known as the miracle on the Hudson. And it was a regular flight. It was a regular day. And he flies up in the air and both engines blow. And now he has a flight with 150 some odd people on the flight. And now he doesn't have engines and his first thought is to get them to safety, right? How do I get them to safety? How do I make it so that um, nobody nobody perishes and it, despite what's going on. And he didn't have the opportunity to train for this. You couldn't train for water landing when he was being trained as a pilot. So now over the course of these 20 minutes, he has to respond to very real life situations, right? So he's looking at cabin pressure. He's dealing with his nerves. He's dealing with his co-pilot. He's dealing with the whole plane that's going down and he has to do things that he's never done before in order to hit the goal of ensuring that everybody is safe. And that is one of the best examples of agility that um, I've ever seen because it was truly a matter of life and death. And if not for his agility, uh, the miracle on the Hudson could have been a tragedy, Mm. to say Mm. the R in, in the acronym
1: is resilience. Something we definitely need more of right now in this pandemic.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's the toughness to weather difficult environments, right? Long enough to achieve whatever goal it is that you're trying to achieve, right? Like, it's, it's the grit. It's that toughness. And um, in case you haven't noticed yet, I'm kind of a little bit of a history buff. So
0: <laughs>
2: the best example for this is Nelson Mandela, right? Like, historical um he he spent 27 years in prison for his beliefs yeah right and during that time he was in some of the most he was in some horrid conditions and i mean bad conditions he had a small cell he had to take out his own um bathroom like his own like potty and and like a- he had a bucket with a lid that he had to empty out himself every morning um and the interesting Thing that people don't know about his time in prison that he was offered freedom two different times and he turned it down because if he would have allowed himself to be free at that time it would have sacrificed the overall mission to kind of end apartheid. Wow, right So when we think about resilience, these are the type of things that if you're resilient enough that you can accomplish you can literally change the world now, I give you these examples and I give them to you, again, to provide historical context. But what's important is that if you look at each example, without these people leading themselves effectively first, none of the change happens. Mm. None of it. If 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 Gandhi doesn't take the stance that he took personally first, nothing happens. If Sully doesn't take the stance that he took and he, what would have happened if he panicked? Right. What would have happened if he didn't remain calm throughout that flight? Um, the same thing with Mandela. What if he would have accepted freedom um, prior to the 27 years? No at, legacy. At one of those, no yeah. legacy, right? No mm-hmm. legacy. So I think that it's really important for people to understand that um, the, the idea of getting in the car um, and practicing courage, agility, and resilience, it it's, it's, has everything to do with what you do. And even when you look at um, some of the greatest, um, when you think about your favorite athlete or or your favorite writer or or anything like that, if you really drill down to it, what we're admiring and what inspires us is not necessarily the accomplishment, right? It's how well they were able to lead themselves Mm. and get themselves to the point where they could accomplish that. But but we as people, as humans, we don't see that piece. Oh, we no. excuse me, we often miss it. We yeah. just go, look at the big shiny piece over here. I want to accomplish that. But when you unpack it, they were able to be extremely courageous, extremely agile, and they were able to do both of those things repeatedly for long enough to get to the goal, which is where the resilience comes in.
1: I love it. Okay. Speaking of resilience, because we can't we can't go further without your own story of resilience yes um so share that share that with us
2: so there was one day so there was a point in my career where um i worked at an oil company and um i sold we, we, we were it was number two home heating oil and i had a leader his name was uh his name was bill and um love this man to this day he 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 st- him him and i are still very good friends and um he, Bill put me in a position because um, I, I signed up for a customer experience um, leadership role, and it was very much sales and retention related. And during the holiday season, um, he called me into his office, and Bill used to call me hot shop because um, I was uh, at an oil company, and I when I go into the office, I'm usually in a suit and a tie. And this wasn't changing because I was in, in an oil company. Um, so, He called me into the office and he says, Hasha, um, (laughs) uh, we need to talk. So I know you know about this customer experience stuff, but you're losing my customers. And I said, okay. And he said, so here are your choices. You either let me teach you how to do this job or you quit. And I was so naive at the time. (laughs) And I said, well, let me think about it. And he goes, no, you have to make a choice right now. And um, I said, okay, well, let's, let's start the training. So here's what the training was, and this is no exaggeration. He said, every time somebody calls and they want to cancel their account, I want you to find me, interrupt my meeting, and tell me what the situation is, and I will walk you through it every single time. Wow. And I said, you can't be serious. He said, if you want your job, you'll do this. <laughs> and and mind you, and I'm using nicer words than he was using, right? <laughs> right? So um I said, okay, and listen, every, every, every day for ninety ninety to hundred and twenty days, two three to four months, um, I walked into his office and I said, Hey, here's the situation, here's what's going on, and He walked me through every possible situation real time. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life, because every day I walked into the office and I said, I can't do this job. I don't know what I'm doing. And again, I had to deal with myself. I had to take ownership and have enough courage to say, I don't know what I'm doing and I have to allow him to teach me. So we did this day in and day out. and then something miraculous happened, um, towards the end. I got really, really good at my job (laughs) and I started and, and the seven districts that I was responsible for that were at the bottom 2% of the business, um, over the course of the next 12 months, now they were at the top, um, 2% of the business. And it was because Bill, um, took me through and showed me how to save these accounts. But the, but, one of the other big points here is that if i wasn't resilient enough to stand in the box take the feedback deal with myself because listen i thought about quitting yeah of course i thought about like i'm not going you're not going to make me as a professional think that i don't know what i'm doing so i thought about it and my ego got involved and and all of these things but in the end um i was able to be courageous enough to be humble and allow him to teach me. And, that, and, and that's what my resiliency was anchored in. Yeah. It was anchored in the humility. It was anchored in the, well, maybe you don't know. It was anchored in, well, maybe he does really want the best for you. This was his investment in me. And um, it led to um, very long-term um, success. And to this day, um, it's one of the reasons why I understand value-based selling versus transactional selling and the value of retention and, and how to keep customers and, and really how to connect with them. Because ultimately, what he was teaching me in keeping our business was how to relate to customers and how to listen to them in a particular way and how to appeal to their human side and not right. necessarily the business side. So, um I, I, I'm very value, I'm very um, appreciative of the experience that um, Bill gave to me.
1: That's fantastic. I love that example, and I'm sure that emotions definitely play the role in those interactions with your customers. You can't have those kind of connections without emotions, because we send, tend to so much shy away in the business world. Of you mentioned in the transactional model of doing business, yes, you 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 know you cover up your emotions um, share a little bit about that.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting that, that, that you said that, um, about the the business and the personal and, 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 and the emotional piece, because, um, one of the things that I value about you, your podcast and everything that you're doing is that you understand what I think many businesses overlook. and many many leaders overlook, which is there is an innate human element to leadership that cannot be ignored or denied. Mm. It's innate, right? And here's why it is. Because people don't work for companies. They never have, they never will. People work for people, (laughs) right? And I... And there was an experience that um kind of showed me this in a very uh in a very transparent way that I like to share um, and what it was was there was a, another point in my career where I did some independent consulting mm-hmm. and I traveled the country um, consulting with various different uh customer experience teams um I would come in I would analyze the problems, analyze the issues and really understand what was going on and then help solution it, right? And part of my process was to talk to the front line because the front line and people that are doing the job, they know what's really going on and they, and they usually have the answers on how to fix it. So while I was talking to them about these things, there was a very interesting, I started to notice an interesting trend. When I would ask them questions about um, their jobs and and what they liked and what they didn't like. What I found was that what they were telling me they wanted from their employer and at the job was eerily similar to what we want from our significant others or people that we're in relationships with, right? So I would say, um, so what can be improved here in the business? They say, well, I just wish they would talk to me more and I wish that they would empower me um, to do my job and I wish that I had the tools and I wish that I was appreciated, mm. right? Um, I wish that I was acknowledged and recognized for a good job. Um, I, 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 If they would only make me feel trusted, right? Um, I wish they were honest with me. And I said, well, wait, this is what people want in their significant other, in a partnership, right? They want honesty, they want trust, they want appreciation, they want the recognition, they want security to be able to build. And that laid the foundation for this idea that, listen, business relationships and personal relationships operate on the same principles. What yields success in one, yields success in the, in the other, because people drive both. Mm. So so you cannot ignore the, the the human element. You can't ignore the emotional piece of leadership because when you ignore the emotional piece of leadership, you can never Help somebody reach their potential, and and you can never um, maximize uh, your your potential in your business because you're not because you're ignoring a piece of the people that are running your business. Yeah. You're saying that you can't be you can't have the emotions here and don't be human. Just do the work, and we are humans first. Yeah, <laughs> right. So so it, so not many people um, get that, and I think what I was so excited to um, converse with you about is. To be in a room and to, be, and to be able to speak to somebody who genuinely believes that in their core, um, it, it just makes me feel like I'm not alone. And, and, and just going through all of your podcasts and all of your work, there is a group, as you said at the very beginning, which is why it was so inspiring, there is a group of us that believe this. And, um, and, and I just couldn't be happier um, to be a part of this group.
1: Yes thank you. I appreciate that acknowledgement and the, the group has grown to a global movement. i don't take any credit for this outside of my own podcast and calling it for what it is love uh love in action but i have seen um i have seen this movement grow uh exponentially over the over the over the years is this return to hum, to uh humans first like you said in fact I have a friend that has a uh, he's the founder of a movement called the Humans First Club, Mike Vacanti. Mm. Shout out to Mike. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, we seem to be going in, in that direction now, especially with this pandemic. It's a great opportunity, I feel, to pivot away from the transactional leadership model to more of a transformational servant leadership model.
2: Oh, my goodness. I i <laughs>
1: I, I so couldn't agree with you more. I, um, I, at the beginning of
2: this, you mentioned that, um, you know, I, my, my current role is senior director at Task Force, right? Mm-hmm. And when you talk about a human-first approach during a, a, a pandemic, um, one of the ways that we were able to display courage is when, when the whole pandemic happened, Um, we have, we we offshore um, some of our business, a lot of our business. And when the pandemic happened, um, the first thing that our founders, Bryce and Jasper, um, said was they said, we got to take care of our people first. So nothing else matters. Let's make sure the people get home safely. Let's make sure they have their computers. Let's make sure them and their families are taken care of. And we did this at the very beginning. It wasn't about, it wasn't about money, it wasn't about profits, it was about people. And for the first three or four days, we received some heat for it, right? Because we were prioritizing the people over um, some would say the customers, but that's not what it was, right? We, We decided that the best way to service the customers and service the clients was through the people, right? Because happy employees make happy customers now and forevermore. And um, the the founders of Task Us, they believe that, I believe that, I know you believe that. So we were able to kind of get ahead of it and make sure that all of our people were taken care of. We got them home, we got their computers, um, we got them to a place where we where they could still do work Um, And over the course of, you know, seven to 10 days, we had over 80% of our workforce working from home that Mm. was once in the site, And we're talking about um, 80% of 20,000 folks, right? Mm. And and when you think about that Herculean effort, uh, my hat goes off to Bryce and Jasper because they... They, they were the visionaries that said, no matter what, we're going to prioritize people over profits. And in, in the level of courage that it takes um, in this day and age um, to do something like that, um, I, my hat goes off to them.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, I want to transition to your company. Um, yes. And that is Alu. Yes. I, I hope I pronounced it right again. Yes. okay Alu. Good. Alu. And, uh, you know, before we go into the mission, though, share, because I think this is unique, share how the company name was, uh, how you came up with that name.
2: I sure will. Uh, So, Alu, the the name came from um, my sons. Um, I talk about them a lot. Forgive me. But it came from my sons, and Alu was their first attempt at saying, I love you. (laughs) <laughs> and it was at two different times because, again, one's eight, one's three. But the first time Logan said it, he was about one and a half, two, and I said, "I love you." He goes, "Alu," and then, <laughs> and then Magnus, my youngest, when he was about the same age, I said, "I love you," and he said, "Alu," and I said, "Okay." So this is this is going to stick because it means something to me. And when I think about developing leaders. Um, I I will always develop leaders from the perspective of the care that I have for my sons and that type of love. And you know, they say, you know, don't tell if you don't don't give somebody else advice that you wouldn't give kids, right? Something no. like, and, and that is literally the perspective that I lead the company with. So when we talk about leadership and and, and all of that. That that's just where it came from. That was their first attempt at saying, I love you.
1: I love it. That's great. And one of the missions is to inspire one of the one of your company's missions, I should say, is to inspire passion. I I wanna I want to talk about this. Why is passion so important in leadership? Because it's the it's
2: the fire that 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 we all have. And I I mentioned earlier about being anchored in, in, in the right things. And when you when you understand what your passion is right um, and, and what lights your fire, you can find that in anything in anything if you know what it is and it's the but but it takes some digging so let me give you a for example I thought for many years that my passion um outside of my love for music I thought for many years that I love the customer experience, but that's not what it is. Mm. Um, customer experience is what I've learned to get very good at over the years, the technology, the processes and all of those things. Where the passion is, is for the, the, the development of the people and helping them to lead themselves effectively. So. That's where the passion is. So I'm able to do that at every job because that's all I see. But because I have a greater awareness that that's what I'm super passionate about, um, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So when because I use that passion to find, to, to find those opportunities to develop and, and help people to lead themselves effectively, that inspires people right? That same passion to say, okay, well, what am I super passionate about and how can I make that my lens now to look at the world, right? So that's where this idea of inspiring passion um, in others comes from.
1: Mm, fantastic. Uh, briefly, go over your service offerings for us and who would benefit most from your services.
2: So so, so again, um, at, at Ali. We believe that I created the company because I think there's a de- a deficit in yeah. leadership development. Right? It's one of those things that companies, when you when you look at um, HR um, in, in in many different ways, when cuts have to be made, it's always the leadership development, the the, the soft stuff that goes right. Yeah. And I believe that. It shouldn't be that way. So I wanted to develop a company that said, we are focused on developing leaders and helping them to lead themselves. So there's a bunch of different services that we offer. Um, there, there's the executive coaching, where um, I talk to your senior leaders of the organization, some, and I'm dealing with some founders of organizations now, right, where I help them to help create the framework and the culture for leadership and development and how they want to go about it. How What do they want career paths to look like? How do they want to unlock the potential in their organization in a systemic way that is sustainable long-term, right? So so what is that global competency model, so to say? So I help them do that. Um, there's the organizational structure and in, in, in the organizational architecture. So um, many companies there was a point where I heard that um one of my friends was telling me that they are in an organization where um the manager reports to another manager. Right. And and my thought is well, that creates dissension in the ranks. Like if we have the same title, like how is it that um how is it that nobody recognized that? Or why is it that nobody had the courage to kind of correct that? Yeah. So 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 I come in and I say, well, let's look at the organizational architecture of your business, and let's make sure that it positions everybody for success and growth. Um, another piece of it is the the actual uh, the the leadership development mm-hmm. of, of the actual people and workforce readiness. Um, and what that is specifically is there's a gap, whether whether companies acknowledge it or not. Um, the academia teaches. Um, how to look externally for information, and then we get a bunch of very intelligent college educated people that have not been taught to look internally for how to find themselves mm. they 're still looking externally right yeah. and it takes a special skill set to be able to bridge that gap without disempowering them as people wow so so i so I focus on the workforce readiness part of it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and again, which I would wager, there's a lot of uh, aspects of emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, how to tap into your emotions to be more a more effective leader, and what you do when you coach those leaders. Yes, um, yes, yeah. agreed. Um, okay, we bring it home with two final questions for okay. our guests to you know speak from the heart. So personally what would you say right now is really tugging at your heart that you'd like us to know if i had the
2: opportunity to to say one thing that i would just want everybody to know it would be for the most senior leaders in all organizations around the world and what it would be is understand that your people are your most valuable asset they're your most valuable asset and before before the profits and before the products, the people have to have to come first, no matter what. Because long after the products are gone, long after um, everything has settled, the people will still be there. Um, when you think about the pandemic, there hasn't been a problem in the world that hasn't been solved through people. Mm-hmm. Products don't solve themselves, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? People, it's us that, that solve it. So, and I think that there's such a, um, it's almost ignored or, or just just pushed to the wayside by the senior leaders in the organization because they take for granted that um, all levels, that their message from the top. And, that is, and that's what, what, what boggles my mind. When I, when I talk to a lot of these senior leaders, they get it. They genuinely do, but as the message cascades throughout the organization, there's a disconnect. And my and, and my message would be: make sure that that disconnect does not exist in your organization. And if it does exist, then please fix it. Because I know that these that these senior leaders in the organization they know enough to either fix it themselves. Or to go hire somebody to fix it, which is why they're they're in the positions that they're in. And I have the utmost faith in them, but I I want to create a different level of awareness. Mm.
1: oh man, that is so good. That is so good. Finally, you end it your way with one thing that's going to make us better people, better workers, better leaders. What would that be? I I'd say that always
2: remember that the common thread of humanity is that we are all on a shared leadership journey that everybody uniquely experiences. And if we're able to keep that in mind, no matter what, and recognize that we're all leaders and that there's nobody um, higher or lower. Um, not, so let's not look at leadership uh, vertically, let's look at it horizontally. There's nobody better or worse, higher or lower. We're all leaders just at a different point in our journey. And I think that if we're able to look at leadership from that perspective and help people get to wherever they want to get to in their journey, um, we will create a better world, um, create a better society, and we will create more profitable businesses because we're teaching people how to lead from a from a place of love, care, and consideration. And it is the definition of love in action.
1: Awesome. Speaking my language. You know, you gave me props earlier. I'm going to give you props now because you are a person of wisdom and you speak truth into our hearts. And I really appreciate that. Uh, there is, you are 100% genuineness and, uh, and we're much better for it. So I appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show today. If people want to connect with you, Monty, how can they do that? Where do they go? So you
2: can reach me on my website. It's montywilliams.co. And that's M-O-N-T-E-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.co. And my email address is monty, M-O-N-T-E, at alu, A-L-E-U, and please feel free to reach out anytime. I'm always available. Again, my mission in life is to add value to the lives of others and to inspire passion through the leadership of self and others. So I, this is what I live for. So please, I'm always available to help.
1: I want to thank Monty and Alu for sponsoring today's episode. Leadership is a journey where the destination is best defined by the traveler. Regardless of where you are headed on your journey, ALU can help you reach your destination. Invest in you with ALU, the leadership development company. Contact Monty Williams at Monty at ALU, A-L-E-U dot C-O for more information. Hey, Love and Action Nation. If you're enjoying the format of the show and the topics we talk about, and you want to bring this conversation to your company event or conference, I would love to explore the possibilities, whether it's speaking or moderating a live discussion or a Q&A panel, or even producing a series of podcasts before and after your event. Let's talk. You can reach me by email personally at marcel at LoveinAction.club. That's Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L at loveinactionc